He's a great God, right? We're here in this series to get to know this great God, because if he's that great and we don't get to know him, we lose out. <laughs> but because he's so great and he offers himself to us and he makes himself accessible, man, we're the wisest people on the planet to just say, God, show me yourself. I want to know more. Today is all about God is all-knowing. You know, when you talk about knowledge these days, they say, the experts say, that knowledge, you know, our accumulation of knowledge and all that we can share on the internet and all that, our accumulation of knowledge doubles about how often. Have you heard the stat? They used to say every two years. That blew my mind the first time I thought, every two years it doubles? I'm not going to be able to keep up. How about you? <laughs> I was never able to keep up. Um, now they say every 12 months. It's doubling. We continue as human beings to observe what God's created. We're actually getting to know more about God as we observe and as there's more information and data that's shared. You know, you're, the phone that you have in your hand, if you've got a Bible app right now, or you carry around your smartphone, gives you more information than you ever, ever thought you could have. In the palm of your hand, it's a supercomputer right there. And then you just shove it in your pocket and you get to it later, right? I mean, it's amazing when you think, the amount of knowledge that we currently have, how it's doubling so quickly, they say it's like a J-curve, that since the 1900s, it kind of went slowly or like this, and it's so steep right now, they don't have any way to predict how fast knowledge will continue to double. They're just kind of observing it as it goes. But let me ask you a question. So with all our knowledge, all our increase of knowledge, how are we doing as a human race? How are we doing? How do we treat each other? What's going on nationally and internationally? Has all this knowledge made us morally better people? Have we really grown to know God more because of just the explosion of knowledge? Or has it tempted us to become proud? And as many people have done, well, I'll just, I've just uh, taken God out of existence because I understand more about the universe and the galaxy and all that happens, you know, through a microscope or through a telescope. And, and really the opposite should be true, that we're blown, our minds are blown by what we can discover about how God has created so complex a world that we actually have the senses to absorb and get information and research and get more information and double the information about this unlimited, awesome, eternal creator God who is the sustainer of all things. This very second, he's sustaining his complex and supernatural created world. But it doesn't mean just because we have knowledge about what God's up to, even if we admit he exists, it's really getting to know him in his heart, right? And that's what this series is all about, is getting to know God as he really is disclosed by what we see in nature, sure, by his created world, and through his son, Jesus, who is God, living it out, but through the revelation that God gives us about himself, and we're going to look at more of his revelation, his disclosure about who he is. So there's a booklet. Mark's got some in his hand. I see him back there. If you don't have one of those God is booklets, it's a kind of a study piece, a companion piece alongside your Bible that you can use. Just throw your hand up if you didn't get one the last couple of weeks. It's white. Throw it up high so we can get it to you. He's going to be running really fast. <laughs> if you want to help Mark out, let him know. Okay. Um, and it's a great piece. I encourage you to be in those scriptures and kind of march with us through this series just one main thought today, one main thought about God being all-knowing. It's this. God has all wisdom and knowledge, and he will share it with those who love and fear him. God 
has all wisdom and knowledge, and he will share it with those who love him and fear him. So the first part of that, God has all wisdom and knowledge. Look at this verse in Romans eleven thirty three. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? You know, you read that verse and many others in Scripture, and you look out in the world and you just go, it's unfathomable. All the knowledge that God has. Our finite human minds can only start to even investigate a small portion of all that God is in his knowledge. It's unsearchable. It's inscrutable. We're not the judge of it. It judges us. We get to know more about ourselves as we just explore and get to know more of God and all of his knowledge. The wisdom and knowledge of God beyond measuring, beyond knowing, beyond evaluating it's kind of overwhelming, right? And to think that God's knowledge is perfect. He, he knows all things equally and completely. You know, you and I, we know some things better than others. You, know, you talk about sports, oh, I know a lot about that. Or you talk about cooking, I know a lot about that. But I don't know much about cars. I don't know much about writing. Or I don't know much about... So our knowledge can grow a teeny little bit in a few areas. But to think that God has all knowledge and perfectly in all areas, and God never learns. A.W. Tozer said that. It kind of shook me up. I, okay. God never learns. He doesn't have to learn anything. There's nothing that ever has happened, will happen, or is currently going on in this world that he doesn't know already even before it happens. He has all knowledge. He's the eternal God. Before he created, he existed in community with himself, Father, Son, and Spirit. Right? We covered that a few weeks ago. But all knowledge that we can explore and even think about, that your brain's even firing and working right now, all those neurons and all the stuff that goes on, you're just going to get a little teeny bit of it, a little portion. It's, it's kind of overwhelming. But God right this second, knows all things. Nothing's confusing to him. Nothing's shocking or surprising. He knows all things, past, present, future, equally well. That should bring incredible comfort. But it's an overwhelming thought, right? We just go, wow, he's an amazing God. Psalm 19 and 147 says this, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to them all of their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. Incredible declarations, right? Uh, and proclamations of the glory of God. His all-knowing power to create as he did, to sustain his world as he does. It's beyond our ability, but we go, wow, Lord, it's, we, we, we can't even really create the categories to hold it. But the creation is declaring your glory constantly. And we're at this little housewarming thing the other last night, and this photographer guy that we met who's 72 years old, he had all these things on his phone. He's, he's taking pictures of nature. He's showing us all these butterflies, and he has a couple horses. And just, you know, you start to take it all in. It becomes overwhelming. But it just declares, it screams the creativity, the power, the complexity of the creation. And then our senses get engaged with it whenever we slow down long enough to, quote-unquote, smell the coffee. Yes, God made coffee beans, right? To taste the coffee. To, to rub down a horse, to ride a horse, to, to watch a butterfly in flight, to think about as a hummingbird, how in the world does that thing do what it does? And you just go, it just screams it out, you know, the stars. And I was thinking, yeah, stars burn out. And, and new ones are created. Like, it's just constant. It's just incredible how God just has all that at his fingertips and he commands it by the power of his word. Declarations and proclamations all around us 
to the incredible knowledge of God. But then, lest we be too overwhelmed, God makes it very specific in himself. And he says this in Colossians 2.3. Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You ever read that verse? All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, all the things that we would ever need to know or could know, and how to rightly apply them, that means wisdom. Knowledge rightly applied in every circumstance is really wisdom. God says we can know knowledge and, and wisdom if we look to who? If we look to Christ. Now, in our world, that's a real challenge. People look to a lot of different sources for truth, for help. You know, it's the help yourself generation, self-help. But if we want to really have wisdom in our life, if we want to have knowledge rightly applied, we look to Christ because we don't have to look any further. That's the smartest thing we could do. That's the wisest thing, is that Christ has it all because he's God. So when he came and he taught, he taught truth, absolute truth, and it's who he is, but he also taught it so we would know how to live. The way he responded to people is the best way to respond to people. Always, end of story, even if it's hardest. Someone's driving nails into your hand and crucifying you. Christ, the most perfectly holy, and, and the right response is to forgive those that would persecute you. So someone has it out for you at work. Someone doesn't like you. Someone said something in your, in your family, in your neighborhood, or an old friend, or whatever. The right thing to do always is to think of Christ in that situation and say, what does his truth, knowledge, and wisdom declare that I should do? I should pray for my persecutors, not hate them, because hatred toward them ends up eating my own heart up. It's a cancer I invite into my own heart. That would be dumb. <laughs> but sometimes we go, no, no, no. It's dumb to not hold a grudge and keep people at arm's, you know, arm's length and hatred's okay if they're really nasty people. Well, you're nasty when you sin against others and so am I. We hurt people. We're not perfect. So we have to put ourselves in that own category. What would we want? We'd want to be prayed for, given grace and forgiveness. That actually builds a good marriage, build good friendships. So the very things we know we need and enjoy in our relationship with God, he says, now give that to others. So you go, okay, what Christ taught, the way he lived, if we would study him and keep our eyes fixed on him, the author and the perfecter of our faith, we will grow in wisdom and knowledge exponentially. And I just love that because it's a simple thing. It helps simple. When God makes it simple like that, it really helps me out. I just need to keep my, my walk tight with Jesus. I need to keep looking at what he taught. I need to think deeply about how he reacted and responded in situations. Then I'll have the deep riches, the greatest treasure of all. And it's coming straight from my Savior, the one who said the best thing I could possibly do for you is die for you and then be raised up in new life and then come to live in you. When you start to see that all of that is for you and it's all good and it's because he loves you, then you go, well, what else does he want to do for me? That would make the most sense. We have no reason to question him but sometimes we start looking at things in the world or believing things in the world and messages from the culture and it gets us off track. All wisdom, all knowledge is found in Christ. It's an incredible treasure that you have as a child of God. Look at these couple of verses. They're not going to be on the screen, but these are just fun ones. You know, that, that Jesus knows every sparrow that's flying around right now. And there's one old one that's going to go down in about an hour out in the middle of Moore Park, see me. But he knows that and he knows that no one's going to be raised up. And then all the little lizards. I saw a lizard this big on my uh, outside. He's, this, he's like everything. Like, there are a couple that are about this long. But I'm like, every little thing is right there in his dinky little lizard. Do you get him that small? 
Some of you go like, he is so into this stuff. So I am. I'm like, I'm just get perplexed. I tried to pick him up. He's way too fast. I just wanted him in my hand. I just want to say like, all that, the eyes and the little claws on the end of those little toes on the end of those little feet and that little tail. And he knows what he's doing. And he climbs up walls and he's super fast. And he's going to grow. I just get perplexed by that. I get overwhelmed by that. God knows all that because God created that. He knows the sparrows. And in fact, he knows the number of hairs in your head. Did you lose some this morning when you brushed your hair? Hopefully you brushed your hair, right? You thought that was the appropriate thing to do before you came to church. You lost a few. God knows the count right now. That's pointless information. That's what we think. He, well, he knows all information. However, pointless in our minds we think it is. Just that lets you know he's got it all. He has it all in his hands. He's all-knowing. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in him, and we can find them in Christ. Hebrews 4.13 says, And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of whom we must give account. So we must all give an account. We're going to give an account to what we did with Jesus. Did we accept his payment on that cross and his new life and accept it and be forgiven and come in a relationship or we didn't? And if we did, there's reward for us. He'll look through our life and there'll be a reward. He won't beat us up, condemn us for, oh yeah, back October 15th, 72. You lied and then repeatedly lied. Remember that? Yeah. Really bad. What are you doing? Wrong. Is that going to happen? What do you think? You have all eternity. So you could spend a lot of time on your life and God will go through every single thing. And you'll feel really bad because now you're in front of the holy God, like right there. You're going to feel really bad. Is that going to happen? I don't think that can happen. I don't think there's any way that can happen because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're not in Christ Jesus, all of those choices and all of that sin and all that darkness, but chiefly because you didn't choose to ask God to forgive you for that, however you define it, that's what will be condemned. You and your sin in your dark heart not having asked Christ to forgive you. You'll be held accountable for what you did with Jesus Christ. If you chose to love him and follow him and been forgiven by him, you know you get heaven. You get an eternity with God. You know if you didn't, the Bible's really clear, there's destruction and death. Wow, it's huge. Punishment for how you lived your life apart from God and you didn't care about God and yourself was God or something else in the world. I want you to be really clear about that. Christ has given us perfect and complete freedom and called us his own son or daughter. You need to think about that deeply and that you'll never have to worry that you'll be separated from his love because his love, we sung about it, goes on and on and on. I mean, we could keep singing the song now so that it would sound like eternity. It goes on and on and on and it will never stop and your love, his love for you will never stop. It will never get greater. It couldn't get greater. He gave his only son for you and for me. It can't grow. It can't get better or longer or wider or deeper. It already is there, right? Can everyone say amen to that? So how it feels like he loves you more is you digging into that love, asking, Lord, help me understand it. Wow, this love is so amazing. You've forgiven me. And then you'll hear him whisper, now, now forgive the person that you have a grudge against. Okay, just forgive him. Just like, I, just like you just meditated on how much I love you. Oh, well, just do what I constantly do for you each day. And you go, okay. It's not what I normally do. They don't deserve it, but okay. You step out in faith. 
and you start to take the wisdom and the knowledge of God and you apply it to the situation and that hurt or that whatever it is and you begin to see that God really does want you to know he's all-knowing and he will work through that knowledge and wisdom as you choose to bring it into your own life. But you never have to worry about this day that's coming that maybe you won't measure up. Maybe there's too much bad that outweighs the good. A lot of people think that about God. Just That's a false idea about God. It's not, are you good enough on that day when you will see him face to face? It's, are you in Christ or are you not in Christ? Is that clear? Like a lot of people are still trying to work their way to heaven. Well, Jesus did a lot on the cross, really grateful for that. But now I got to work the rest of the way there and I got to clean up the edges. He did the main thing. I got to clean up the edges. And, but what if I don't clean it up exactly right? Well, then I don't know. You know, it's going to be an account at the end. We'll see how I do. No, in Christ, you're fine. You can take a deep breath. I'm forgiven. I can celebrate that my relationship with him is solid. It's eternal. No one and nothing can snatch me from his hand. Jesus said that himself. That's knowledge. That's wisdom. That's truth. Bank on that. Live your life leaning on that truth. That will bring such incredible freedom and security to you. You won't be like a wave that's tossed to and fro by, oh, my emotions are down. Oh, this hard thing happened. Oh, I really messed up. Oh, I'm continuing to mess up. Oh, can God still love me now? And yes, he still loves you. And when you remember that, you don't want to live in the sin. You want to make progress. You want to cooperate with the Holy Spirit who lives in you. And it just continues to go that way. And you just go like, wow, is this real? Is this, can this really be true? It's really true. That's how much he loves you. Let that sink in. It's really true. He's not going to beat you up on any given day. He wants you to confess sin when you're struggling so that you can be freed. So it doesn't hurt your life and you, because of that sin, bring destruction in your own life. He just wants you to admit it and say, oh, yeah, forgive me, Lord. He does. It's already forgiven because he went to the cross. He took all your sin there, right? How much of your sin did he take to the cross? Past? Now? Future? All of it. So you're free, guys. I'm free. That's why that last song was so overwhelming to me. Because he chose to come make his home in my heart. He had to clean my heart first. But then he said, I'm coming in to live there. And that's forever. I'm putting the deposit of the Holy Spirit in your life. So you'll never question that I'm returning for you to take you home. Just live in a way that there's a lot to celebrate, a lot of reward for how you chose to live. Instead of like, oh, well, I know him, but I, live, I lived over here and then selfishly. Now live for the, the Lord, the Savior who rescued you. There's a verse, a really short one that says, your word is truth. John 17, 17. Because God is the author of truth, there is absolute truth in this world. There is right and wrong. And God determines that. He is the righteous, holy, and perfect God. That will never change. Jesus is the living word. And in him, all treasures of what are found? Wisdom and knowledge. So in looking at Christ and looking at his word, seeing it modeled, he modeled what he gave us in his word that now we have in black and white. And we get to read. We get to unlock all of these treasures. He's going to keep showing us more about himself and more about you. To be completely loved and completely known is an amazing gift. It's, in fact, the greatest need that we have. If you know Tim Keller, he's famous for talking and using that phrase. That the greatest need of the human being is to be known and loved. But a lot of people, he says, settle for just being loved. They don't want to be known because that's scary. If someone really knew me, they wouldn't love me. So we hide really who we are and what we kind of tend to do at times or our past 
just to get the love, because we at least want someone to love us, you know, each day, and at least, you know, I can love them, they can love me, and just we keep it at that. We're too embarrassed. We don't want to be that real. Well, Jesus said, I'm not embarrassed. I went to a cross and forgave you all that, so you wouldn't have to have any shame anymore. You can be completely honest with who you are before me and before others. To be completely known and completely loved is what God gives you, and that builds a huge foundation of security. Otherwise, you live anxiously. You live with fear. You're wondering what's going to happen with that thing at work or what's going to happen with that whoever that might know you. Are they going to turn south? Is that deal really going to work? Are they really going to have your back? And you're always plotting and manipulating and trusting. And other, when you just say, God, you got my back. Like, you got my front, my back, my sides. You're underneath me. You're above me. You're going to walk me home. You're going to walk me through this, this time on earth. And you're going to come back for me like you promised. Your word is truth. You know all things. I'm trusting and I'm leaning on you. I'm not going to look to myself or to others. Absolute truth, absolute knowledge, all wisdom found in Christ. And you go, that's, that's amazing. Those truths are amazing. I don't have to waste my time looking to others, finding some guru, trying to get the tapes and the books or the whatevers or all the advice from others. I have to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. And then the second part of this this truth statement that God shares his knowledge with those who love and fear him. He chooses to reveal more wisdom and more knowledge to you if you do one thing. See if you can pick it up as I read these verses. Proverbs 2. If you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. God promise. He promises. He puts his name and his reputation at stake by saying, if you do something, I choose and will reveal knowledge and wisdom to you about how to live life and receive my blessing and all of eternity. What's your part and what's my part? This is super important. It's in the third word. <laughs> Can you see it? What do you and I have to do? If it's true that he has all knowledge and all wisdom, and true that he shares it with those who love and fear him, what, what do we need to do? Seek, and then, you see the other S word up there? Search. Like it was hidden treasure. We know it's found in Christ, but it's deep stuff. We got to work at that. Like, you have to desire. If, if I told you there was a million, million dollars buried in your backyard, it is there, trust me, I put it there, right, or whatever. You're like, yeah, right, good try. But there's a million bucks in your backyard. It's there. How long would you look for that? You know it's there. You're just convinced it's there. How long would you look? Until you found it. If all treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in Christ, you would look for it until you find it. I don't know how to fix this thing in my marriage. So you look to God, you search for his wisdom. All truth is his truth. He said he'd share it with you. You have to seek it and want it, like for hidden treasure, for silver. You want to know how to fix this in your marriage. You want to know how to get past the bitterness and the hurt of your past. How do I do that? Don't go pick a book off the shelf somewhere, some counselor somewhere. Go to the word of God, right? The one who needs no counselor, the one who is truth. And he'll give you the wisdom and knowledge to make to realize what's going on and make the change to bring about the healing. 
The Lord said that. The upright will become wise. But we need to do our part to search and to seek and say, God, I fear you. You're an amazing, mighty God. You are holy and completely perfect. And you never have to learn a thing. But I have so much learning to do. I humble myself. You know, a lot of people talk about respect these days or the lack of it that we see all throughout our culture in different, different arenas. Do we respect God? Do you humble yourself before God and say, you have it all, Lord. You have all knowledge, wisdom, and, and all that I need for every area. And right now I'm hurting in this area or in this area. I'm fearful here, anxious here. You bring that to God humbly out of this trembling to know his word and then to live it. That's the most important thing. And we live it and we see a deliverance. We see a strengthening in our heart. We see a difference in our responses. Proverbs 1.7 says that very succinctly. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It's the start, it's the daily posture, and it's the last stretch. It's the last lap. It's how you start the race. You really want to be wise? You want to have knowledge that's rightly applied in your life that makes you wise? Then you start with this fear, respect, and humbling before this great God, the one who has all that. You start asking him for it every day. You dig each day. You see the Olympics, right? Those sprinters, they get in the blocks. You know how this works, right? They get down. I'm going to do it sideways. I think it's really funny the way they do it. They do this. Okay, I'm going to cramp if I do this too hard. Anyway, they shake it out, right? Then they get their knuckles, you know, they get their knuckles sideways. Like this is the starting line right here. I mean, they get one millimeter right from the end. I'm like, that even hurts. If you try that right now, you'd, it hurts. How are they even doing? They put their weight on it. Then they get their feet and they shake it out. They get their feet in there and they get it up and they're ready to go. Man, they're ready for that gun. Ready? Oh, they cramped my neck. Anyway, okay. <laughs> they're ready. That's how you start if you want wisdom and knowledge. Fearing God. And I don't mean like, oh, it's just like, you're amazing, God. And I'm just starting to get to know you. I've walked with you for 30 years. You get more amazed with God. Humble, respect, honor. You start your walk with him like that. Then you run the race like that. Always remembering he's an awesome God that he loves, that he, and he loves you completely. Always run that way. And on every lap, all the trails, and you see the finish line, and you go, wow, Lord, running the race with you in your strength is the wisest thing I could do. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. It's also the middle. It's also the end. Every day. God does share his wisdom and knowledge if we would love him and fear him and hold him up. A couple of the verses that kind of support that same thought. Isaiah 55, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Can anyone say amen to that? Man, I'm glad God thinks differently than me. I'm glad his ways and his thoughts are so much higher and holier than mine. I can easily admit that. If you can easily admit that, now you're understanding the fear of the Lord. I can easily admit, God, your ways, your thoughts, your truth is higher and holier than mine. I don't even know how to compare the two. There is no comparison. When you conclude that, that God is like that, that he's loving and good, and that his knowledge and his truth is to bring you freedom and blessing, you're on the right track. Just wanting to know more about him, looking at Jesus, looking at how he taught and how he responded to people, saying, Lord, I want more of that. You're on your way. You're like the spiritual sponge. You got these new sponges at home. They're really awesome. I think they're like organic. Like maybe they're real sponges that came off the ocean floor. I don't know. But anyway, they absorb everything perfectly on the counters. You just wipe on, whoa, the water's gone. <laughs> just keep, you're going to be that sponge if you choose to be, 
Literally, it's your choice. It's my choice. Do you choose to want to seek and to, to search? Do you want to? Do you want to know more of his knowledge and wisdom? Are you perplexed and dumbfounded in an area? Bring it to God. Are you struggling in an area? Bring it to God. Bring it to his word. Absorb what he wants. Otherwise, you just go off a, a trail of trouble and there's more regret. And there's a great quote from A.W. Tozer. I cited him in that booklet. It's a great book uh, called Knowledge of the Holy. And if you don't have it, I've told you before, <laughs> best 10 bucks you'll ever spend. Some of you still go like, ah, I don't want to go buy a book. <laughs> Sermons are fine. I don't go buy a book. I have a book right here. Bible. Okay. Yes, the best book of all, for sure. This book, The Knowledge of the Holy, takes so much of these scriptures and helps you understand them. It's like a mini commentary on the word and the truth of God. Get that book. Okay? Do you trust me as your shepherd and your friend? Yeah. Some of you are like, just, no. <laughs> You're losing. Trust me on this. Here's another quote from that book. It's awesome. Because he walked with God and he knows the scriptures and he shares them in a great way. All of God's acts are done for his glory and for the good of the greatest number of people for the longest period of time. It's applying knowledge correctly to bring about perfect and good ends by the most perfect means. That's the knowledge of God. He goes on to say that all of history is really a battle between the wisdom of God and the cunning of Satan and fallen man. That it's all knowledge, all truth and wisdom found in God. And we'll either search for that and start to apply that and live that. But as we're doing that, and hopefully we are doing that, we're going to feel like we're in this battle and the battle will rage constantly and will pull you away to lies or other messages or other philosophies that aren't true and they're not of God, they're not in the Word. And they're not centered in Christ. And it'll tear you away from God and tear you down in your faith. But we want to be close to God. We want to walk in His ways. All of God's acts are done for His glory and for the good of the greatest number of people for the longest period of time. Romans 10 verse 2 says, talks about the zeal that we can have when we understand true knowledge. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they didn't submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law to everyone who believes. So the Apostle Paul is referring to the, the Pharisees, the Jewish leaders of the day, when Christ did his ministry and was on earth. They got caught up in knowledge. They started worshiping knowledge and become prideful in their knowledge about God, but they didn't choose to submit themselves to the fulfillment of the law, which was Jesus himself. Full and complete righteousness because he's God, but he came in flesh, and now it's all about Christ because all treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in him. They left Jesus out of the picture. They had zeal. They were committed. They got nasty about it at times. They looked down on people. But others, oh, well, they're the spiritual ones, though. They, they have the funky hats and clothes on. They have the robes. You know, we have to submit. You know, what they say, I mean, they, they know the law of the Torah much better than we do. Okay, well, they're the pros. They're the religious leaders, right? They're missing it. The Apostle Paul reminds us we can do the same if we're not careful. It's great to have zeal for God, but not if it's not based on knowledge in the, in the Scriptures. But these days, I even wonder who has zeal for God at all. Do you? Are you zealous for God? Would that word describe you? Sometimes it doesn't describe me. I want it to describe me more. How about you? 
But zeal based on knowledge is what pleases God. Zeal without having an understanding of who God is and the way he functions, who his character is, these promises of the word and living them out and knowing them, being in them, searching and seeking and doing all that, right? You got to do that every day. I have to do that. That zeal matters to God. And then he says, you really are in a battle. He reminds us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So who, who's in warfare according to this verse? What Paul gave us. Who's in the warfare? All Christians. All Christians are in the warfare, whether they realize it or not. You may be losing the battles because you might be looking for knowledge that's outside of Scripture and outside of Christ and what he taught and how he lived. If you are, you're absorbing messages, philosophies, or lies or falsehoods from the culture, or maybe even a family member, maybe even a friend. You don't even realize it. you got to get back to the Word, and you need to be able to sort through those messages and those philosophies, those promises of the world. And when you start to sort through that, you see them for what they really are, and you can take them captive and make them obedient to Christ. Give you an example. Something happens at work. Ticked off at somebody because they hurt your feelings. They did something maybe wrong, maybe illegal, sinful for sure. And it hurt your feelings. And uh, now you feel like you have an enemy at work. You have an, it's actually, you put them in the enemy category. What do you do with those feelings? You're praying that God had moved that individual to another state or country, and that doesn't happen. And he's there. Or she's there. And you've got to deal with that. That reality might even get worse. They might actually come after you in some way, your reputation, or lie about you. They might even get worse. If you have anyone in your life like that, it feels like persecution. It feels like, man, are they just hating me because I'm a Christian? Why don't they? I've just been kind. I'm trying to be helpful. I don't even get this. What's the right response? To recognize that if someone's telling you, yeah, blow them off. Just keep your distance from that kind of person. Don't even waste your time with them. They're, just, like, they're no help for them. There's no hope for them. That's a message from the enemy and it's a message from the pit of hell and it's not in God's word and that's not how you should respond. How will you know that though? Because you're seeking and you're searching in the word of God every day. You're building the knowledge. He's giving you wisdom because you're getting the knowledge, you're applying it and you go like, wait a minute, that's not a thought from God. That's a thought from the enemy or a person who doesn't love God or someone that's confused. Maybe yourself who's confused. You go, that's not of God and I know that. Why? Because I'm in the word enough to know that. I'm remembering enough of what we talked about in our life group, in our men's study, or church, or your own personal study. I'm Thank you, Lord. The Holy Spirit will remind you of all that Jesus taught. That is a direct quote. He will remind you and guide you into all truth. So you have the Holy Spirit coaching you, guiding you, teaching you. And he will help you take captive lies, philosophies, or any untruths in your life right now. And I have a feeling, if you haven't taken this seriously yet, that there probably are lies or messages or things you're living out that aren't of God that are really going to hurt you if they're not hurting yet. They may not be hurting now, but there's a day <laughs> that'll come, that'll bring hurt. He doesn't want you to go down that road. You're going to hear the Holy Spirit whisper to you. You're going to sense something is not of God. It's not true. You take that thought captive because you have 
the divine power of the Holy Spirit that is able to destroy those strongholds that may exist in the culture, that argument that may exist in the culture, that perspective that may exist in the culture. Oh, everyone's doing it. Oh, you really arrive when you do this. Oh, this will really make you happy. And you're like, no. And I'm learning enough about God and who Christ is and how he lived and walked. And I'm, I'm going after him on this. And you go, no, I'm not. I'm not believing that. You take it captive. You're in warfare. If you don't realize it, you're already losing it. When you realize it, you don't get scared. He who lives in you is greater than he who lives in the world, right? You all of a sudden, you feel like, okay, I'm kind of taking control of what goes through my mind. I'm not going to let something have airtime that's a lie or destructive or gossipy or wrong before God. I'm not going to even give it airtime. I give it airtime here. It's going to come out here and it'll come out in my emotions and in my choices. Take me the wrong direction. Because he has all knowledge and wisdom, and he said he would share it with those who love him and fear him, now we have the ability to challenge the things that aren't of God and start experiencing more of his blessing, more of his peace, more of his contentment. I'm going to close with this last verse, and it's really a prayer from the Apostle Paul, and I love the way he frames that. Listen to this. He goes, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. What a great prayer, huh? Is that rich or what? We should be praying that for each other and for ourselves. God, I want to walk in a manner worthy of you. This area is not worthy of you. Help me, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for letting me know. <laughs> Thank you. Instead of fighting him, like you're destroying yourself by not challenging the untruth, not asking the Lord for new victory and strength in that area. He said we can walk in a manner worthy. He said it pleases him. He said that he would bring fruit in every good work and that the knowledge of him, that we would increase in our knowledge of him. That's a great prayer. Let's pray that for each other. What do you guys say? Let's be that kind of church. Pray that for each other. Pray that for your spouse and for people in your group. Desire that. What if we desire that? God, more fruit, more intimacy with you, more wisdom, understanding, knowledge applied in my life, Lord, so that I would please you even more. Then we know we're on the right track, going the right direction. God says if we would do that, he brings contentment and peace and an easy yoke and a light burden into your life. If you are feeling overwhelmed or anxious or fearful in any area, it's not the yoke of Jesus you're wearing. It's the yoke of a lie or something from the world. Is that clear? You can take that yoke off. You're challenging that yoke, that lie, that falsehood, that fear, that anxiety. You're taking it off. You literally, I want you to picture it. I'm taking that falsehood, that lie off of me. And I'm receiving his well-fitting, easy yoke and light burden. You don't go through this life without trouble. Jesus told that. But you get a well-fitting burden and he comes to you and with you alongside it to help you bear that. And it's good and it's right and it's purposeful in your life and it's not overwhelming. But the world and its expectations and its lies and its pressures and fears and anxieties that just pile up, that's the heavy part. Jesus said, I come so that you would find rest for your soul. I'll bring you contentment and peace. Is that what you want? You have to tell him that's what you want. He won't force it on you. He's crying tears right now, looking at you if, you're, if you've accepted a yoke of the world that's heavy and burdening your heart. 
or fearful or anxiety-producing. He actually is compassionate and broken about that. And all you have to do today is give him that yoke and say, I'm trading in my yoke. I want Jesus. I want your yoke. It's light and your burden is easy. Easy yoke and light burden. So back to our main point, and then we'll pray. God has all wisdom and knowledge. And what, what does he want to do with it? <laughs> he wants to share it with you if you love and fear him. Because he wants to bring freedom and blessing and more of an awareness of how much he loves you. Is that a good deal? There isn't a better one. So we're going to pray. We're going to have a communion together. If you know Christ as your Savior, you've asked him to come into your life and to forgive you of your sin, then take that juice and that bread and hold it because we're going to eat it together. If you don't know Christ, I'm going to pray for you right now, and you can pray along with me to receive his forgiveness in this relationship with him, okay? So we'll pray, and then we're going to worship together. We're going to have an offering. Pour it out from your guts, from your heart. Just pour out your love for him and your thanksgiving. Let's pray. So this prayer is for those of you that don't have a relationship with God yet, but you realize he brought you here this day so that you could be saved and become his child. So pray this prayer with me. God, thank you for the forgiveness that you give me through Christ. Thank you, Lord, that instead of condemning me and holding the sin against me and pouring out of your wrath on me because of the sin, you actually poured it out on your son and he willingly took it in my place and I'm now free. I, forgive me, Lord. Take my sin. Forgive my heart. Make it new and clean. Give me a new heart. I want to be a child of God and have you be my Lord and leader. Now say thank you because that prayer just made you, because of the payment of Christ, a child of God. You're actually ready to have your first communion to celebrate what he did for you because you just accepted it. And Lord, for the rest of us that know you, I pray we would live out these truths with joy and excitement. We want to have zeal. We want to have zeal based on knowledge of who you are. We're getting to know you better, Lord. Cement these things in our heart. And even as we worship you now and pour out our offering and pour out our lives, I pray, Lord, they'd be worthy of you and pleasing to you. We just want to be more pleasing to you, God. Help us, even in this time.